Good morning. This is Driving Theology and I'm Mike. It is a drizzly day in July. Mid-July, I think it's about July, I don't know, 18th maybe? 17th, 18th, something like that. I am on my way to work this rainy Wednesday. I am tired of the rain. Tired. The capital tie. It has been raining pretty much every day for about a month. So it seems it's supposed to rain for another week at least. We are stuck in a rainy season, and one of the rainiest rainy seasons on record. Uh, yeah, just nasty. Uh, we haven't got any hot, dry weather. Comes with the summer, so no beaches or anything like that yet. We're still stuck in this rainy season. It's been incredibly humid, cool, and uh, generally just uncomfortable. Uh, but hopefully we'll come out of it soon. Uh, I hope. The sky's not terribly dark today, so maybe it's just gonna be a quick light rain and be done. That'd be great. But, uh, yeah, I don't know about you, but the weather really affects my mood. Especially when it's, you know, over a long time. I went to bed early last night, so I've been feeling a little bit, you know, run down, and so I thought I better get to bed early and woke up having slept probably seven hours, but not really like not really feeling like I slept at all. I wanted to sleep longer, uh, but you know, sometimes when you wake up you're just up. There was no going back to sleep. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think something combined with the climate and just a, a general malaise, is that the right word? Um, people in situations right now, there's a lot of things hanging in the balance and um, a lot of things that just seem kind of difficult right now. <sighs> yeah. Maybe it's still some some post travel funk that you know we're still in a little bit. Who knows? But uh yeah, I'm feeling a little rundown today. A little rundown. Hopefully things will look up. Um I mean, some ways they are, some ways they're not, you know. Had a decent day yesterday and the day before. Started uh, getting back into the book, uh, Christ the Eternal Tao, or Eternal Tao, Eternal Tao of Christ. This is always a good book, you know, getting more into the contemplative stuff. And, uh, that coupled with uh, being reacquainted with some personality tests and, and uh, 
those come with. Took another one that I had not heard of yesterday just to see what that would come out like. And in some ways, it's very similar to the, to the Myers-Briggs that I've been familiar with, but it's called the, I think, Enneagram or something like this. Um, took that one and, you know, it was, it was fine, I guess. Um, oh, look at that. We're getting just a little bit of almost sunshine. But, uh, yeah, so getting into, into the part of the uh, Christ the Eternal Tao book that I'm in talks about uh, the body, the soul, and the spirit as the three parts of man. Uh, and I've probably talked about this a little bit before, but I kind of want to explore this a little bit more deeply because... Um, it's kind of fascinating and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how it works out with personality um, whether it can kind of be used as a gauge for where you are uh, spiritually, your spiritual personality in other words, something like that um, so I'm interested in it from that uh, standpoint for sure um, so what the, the the premise that he seems to be outlining in the book is that you have God. God is spirit. The divine is spirit. And he has given us a spirit. And in that way, we are made in his image because we have a spirit as well. And our spirit is the part of us that is able to best communicate with the divine spirit. Okay? It's the part of us that recognizes his voice. Okay, And then you go down from the spirit to the soul. The soul is, is the origin of the thoughts, right? Uh, the, the, the part of you that you probably look at most of all as self, right? Uh, it's, it's placed directly between like, and, and connected to both the spirit and the body. And here we have the, the realm of thought, the realm, the realm of reason, uh, the realm of logic, but also the realm of uh, fantasy, fable, uh, the realm of, uh, yeah, probably um, the realm that most of us would identify mostly as self. Uh, which is then attached to the body, and the body is the area of the appetites, right? Uh, the area of hunger and thirst, and the need for power and sexual gratification, and all of these things uh, are housed in the body. And so you have basically the appetites, uh, the thoughts, and then the spirit. Um, now, everybody's uh, everybody has three parts to themselves. And these three parts all work in a dynamic relationship that make up yourself, who you are. Uh, those of us who are uh, ruled strictly by our desires, uh, and I think most, most uh, 
addicts, most people who are addicted would fall into this category. Uh, people who are ruled solely by their appetites, their hunger or their thirst uh, for either food, alcohol, drugs, sex, uh, pleasure of all kinds. Uh, if, if, you, if your life is dominated by these things, then we could say that the body has taken leadership over self. That yourself is ruled by your body. Uh, and then moving up from there, you go into the thoughts, the things that you think are reasonable and logical. Uh, um, and people who, who are intellectuals, who believe that they have uh, uh, higher faculties um, or abilities to reason, uh, people, people who are intellectuals, uh, who have studied, who, uh, who think that reason is the highest, right? Or, or actually what they believe to be reasonable. Uh, and so they are ruled by their soul, or you could also call the soul the mind in this sense. Um, and so they may be able to control some of their appetites, and yet they're not they're not actually able to discern uh, heavenly wisdom because their spirit is being subjected to the soul or drowned out by the soul. Um. <clears throat> and then you have those who are able to allow the spirit preeminence in their self. Uh, and so they are able to discern uh, spiritual wisdom and to hear uh, the voice of the divine because they uh, have subjugated both their body and their mind or their soul to their to their spirit now there are two types of spirit-led people there are those who worship their own spirit all right that's also possible that you you stop at the spirit but you don't go past the spirit to the divine. Uh, somehow, uh, as this book states, that's also a possibility. It's possible that you are worshiping your own spirit as opposed to uh, God. Um, I'm not sure exactly how that works. This is, you know, kind of working this all out in my mind. Uh, I suggest that this interests you that you, you read this book. Uh, Christ the Eternal Tao by uh, Higher Monk Damascene and I'm not sure how to say his name right but that's how I say it um, I'm sure it's not quite right but he is a, a Greek or Russian Russian Greek or Russian Orthodox uh, priest I suppose
these are kind of the four the four places that man find themselves right ruled by their body ruled by their soul ruled by their spirit or allowing their spirit to be ruled by the divine spirit right uh, these are kind of the four places that men find themselves uh, and to me it makes sense like I can see I can see where I have been uh, at least those first three men I'm not sure I've achieved uh, the last the last part right I'm not sure I've quite gotten to where my spirit has connected to the divine or at least not consistently maybe there have been glimpses I you know it's hard to say uh, but that I can honestly say now that that's my goal that I want to be more contemplative and, and uh, try to try to hear the voice of God more um yeah so you know is there a is there a test that we can take that uh that will help us discover where we are spiritually you know I, I'm sure most of us are in several of these places right we probably have some some kind of addiction or at least unhealthy habits that we're dealing with in our appetites uh and we also put a lot of trust and faith in our own thoughts and our own beliefs. Um, and then if, if we are seeking the voice of God, I think some of us probably have glimpsed uh, the voice with the Spirit. Um, I like to think that God is not waiting for us to perfectly line up our lives so that we can hear him, but is working from the other side as well and being gracious uh, in his um, preparing us to hear his voice. Because as I've said before many times, I believe God wants to be heard. He wants to be known. He doesn't want to be mysterious to us. He wants to be intimate with us, right? He wants us to know him intimately as he knows us intimately. Uh, I think that's a desire of the divine, right? Which is good for us. Um, it would be great for us to be able to know intimately uh, our Lord, who we, who we not only serve, but who we love, and who we are loved by. And so I don't... I don't adhere to the idea that God is unknowable, right? Uh, at least not in any relational sense. Sure, he may be unknowable as far as origins and, and uh, all kinds of other, you know, physical aspects of, you know, knowing how God works as, as spirit in this physical uh, universe and things like that. Maybe, yeah, maybe there, there are things that are beyond our knowledge, but it's it's not our it's not beyond our ability to discern the character of God. Right? What's he like? Who is he? What makes him tick? What does he love? What makes him sad? You know, I think these kinds of things are well within our 
grasp because because of Jesus, right? Because Jesus came and showed us who who God is. Uh, in other words, God is exactly like Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less, as far as character, as far as personality, right? As far as essence. Yeah, there will be things that we'll never know, but there are also things that I can never know about the person who's closest to me, like my children and, and my wife. There are things that I will never be able to, to understand about them, right? It's just people are complex. I'm sure that God is even more complex. But that doesn't mean that I can't know them relationally, intimately, know their character. And so, yeah, the writer has, has kind of outlined these, you know, this um, makeup, if you will, of ourselves, that we are a combination of body, soul, and spirit. Uh, and that in the healthiest state, we are led by our spirit and communing with the divine spirit. Now, how that happens, <laughs> that, that's where I'm kind of, you know, questionable on this book. I'm, I'm kind of questioning whether this book is going to try to offer some kind of uh, uh, formulas, you know, or recipe to achieve uh, this kind of thing. Because I'm very leery, uh, as part of my personality, I'm very leery of... of uh, superimposed structure on things that I think should be organic and natural. Um, but I'm going to withhold judgment until, you know, I, I hear and hopefully try some of these things. One of which um, I'm just reading about is the Jesus prayer. And one of the reasons I'm kind of skeptical, I guess the best word, uh, about how the author attempts is that he comes forth and says that the Jesus prayer has been a prayer that has been said for, you know, millennia, uh, has been found effective, uh, and beneficial for many, many holy people down through the years. Uh, but he says, but don't practice it outside of a, a, a Greek Orthodox, um, it's a word, context, right? Don't just don't just say it. You you have to be set up to say it. So you have to be, uh, I guess, grounded in the orthodox uh, traditions and theology in order to get benefit from the prayer. And if you're not, you may actually be harmed by the prayer. And man, that if that's true. Uh, then I should be totally open to it, obviously, and I, you know, um, 
I, I should be open to what he's saying. But my my red flag went up when he said that. You know, that's that's for me a religious red flag. Uh, you know, who, who says um, that if you simply say the Jesus prayer, which is. Um, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, right? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He says, if you say that outside of a Greek context, you may actually not receive anything beneficial, but just the opposite, uh, depression or sadness or, you know, something worse. And I just, I don't, I don't know that that smacks of uh, religious uh, superstition to me, um, and so I just read that, and so I guess I need to give it a little bit of time to to see where he's going with it. Um, but it doesn't it didn't ring true in my heart when I read that. But of course, that's my you know. It's probably my soul or myself um, and my my own biases coming to the forefront in my mind. Um, what the Lord has to tell me about that, I hope I'm able to discern. Uh, so, yeah. So far, I don't know. Um... But I do like the way that he has defined the soul and the spirit. I think, uh, I think I had a, a decent understanding about what the soul was, as opposed to the spirit, uh, for the last couple of years. But this helps me go even deeper with with what it all means. You know, the the body, the soul, and the spirit, and then the the mind of Christ, right? Um, you know, it goes back to what Jesus told the woman at the well in in Mark 4, you know, that the time is coming where you will worship God in spirit and in truth, right? To worship God in spirit and truth, not not some other way. And, and what he's talking about is geography, right? A, a, place or a way or a method that you have to worship God, uh, to me what he's saying is that that is no longer the case, that, that you can worship God in spirit and in truth, aside from the trappings of religion. And so that's, you know, that having been said, that, that kind of confirms, uh, at least so far, the red flag that I had when, when he wrote what wrote about orthodoxy um, so yeah I guess I want to continue to explore that and see what he's what he's talking about there and I'm gonna shift gears um, we'll leave that there I'm gonna gonna shift gears to a new subject tomorrow I'm speaking in chapel uh, it's a makeup uh, makeup um, opportunity that uh, I was supposed to speak about a month ago, but I had to cancel because uh, I was going off to America for the funeral. Uh, and so I had to uh, reschedule, and that's coming up tomorrow. 
I uh, typed out a, an idea yesterday. Kind of the concept I'm going on is the idea of uh, of building the foundation of your life uh, in such a way that it can weather the storms that life throws at you. How do you build up a strong foundation so that you can endure the trials and tribulations that life will give you from here on out? What are the what are the ways that you can do that? Or what are the what are the building blocks of your foundation? Uh, and and, uh, and how can you how can you make sure that that your foundation is strong, strong enough to endure these these things that that inevitably come up in life. Uh, and so I, right now my approach has been to use a, a, block, a, a game, a Jenga game and, and show that, uh, that when, you, when you have a foundation and you start taking blocks out of the foundation, when you weaken the foundation, the, the upper structure becomes unstable. Right? A weak foundation means that the structure is unstable. Of course, this is all a metaphor. This is all um, things that, that Jesus uses in, where was it? The, the, uh, the parable of the, uh, the man who built his house upon the sand, right? The wise builder and the foolish builder. Um, and so what I want to give these college kids in chapel tomorrow is, is the idea that, that they're, they're going to face trials. There are many things that are going to hit them hard in life. And that if they have a strong foundation, they are more likely to persevere through these trials than to be destroyed by these trials. And so the kind of the the idea I'm contemplating is can you be an active builder of your own foundation or must you just accept that your foundation is what it is that you received it from your culture from your country from your family uh, from your school uh, from your religion and it, it is what it is and it's either strong or it's not there's nothing you can do about it uh, I'd like to think that there is something that we can do about it, that we can build our foundation on Jesus Christ. And the reason that, that he is a strong foundation is that um, in, no, in no particular order, uh, he tells the truth about us, right? He knows who we are, and he tells us the truth about who we are. And who we are, are, we are beloved. We are his beloved. We are his loved ones, his family. Uh, we are, in a sense, his children and his creation. And, and he, he calls us uh, beloved, right? We are his beloved. Uh, as opposed to the, the world may call you ugly or, or dumb or outcast or foreigner. Hygiene, or any number of things, right? There are any number of things that you may be called uh, that could be a lie. Um, 
there are many lies that we've been told, whether it's about people of other races, people of other religions, uh, whether, you know, whatever. There are many lies that we actually believe that are in our belief system and in our values, uh, which are embedded uh, in our foundations. And whether we know they're down there or not, they actually add to or take away from the stability of our life. Um, and what happens is every time a storm comes, you, you do, you are confronted with your foundation, right? More or less, the, the, the stronger the storm, the more you understand about your foundation, right? And, and it will, it will show itself to be solid or to be weak. And so my question is, can we actively participate in building our foundations or must we wait for the biggest storm to, to topple our lives so that we are forced to rebuild our foundation? Right? Which, which is it? You know, uh, which is the way to having a stronger foundation? And by foundation, I mean the values, uh, the values and the beliefs in your belief system that are your foundation for life, the things that you believe, right? So the way that you act in the world stem from what you believe to be true. Now for me, I have endeavored to to build my foundation on Jesus Christ, right? on the Lord Jesus Christ, um, because I believe Him to be uh, the truth, the way, the truth, and the life, right, as He called Himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Um, building your foundation on Jesus, you learn the truth about yourself. That number one, you are loved. That you are not damned. That you are not condemned. Uh, that you uh, are taken care of. That you are provided for. Uh, that you have been lovingly created by a loving God. Um, and he gives you rules to live by that will serve you well your entire life and those rules are love love one another that's the rule love love each other and when we walk with a foundation that we are loved and that the best way for us to be in the world is to share that love then our life will be strong and it will be able to withstand any storm but many of our foundations are based on love of self, or love of our family, or love of country, love of money, love of pleasure, right? love of power. When your foundation is built on this, these false loves, uh, your life can be toppled at any minute and be utterly destroyed. But because Jesus 
is who he is, even when your life is toppled, he he will he will with your consent help you put your life back together in a way that's based on him. So the question is, are you willing to wait until life attacks you and brings you down to your knees to find Christ? Or are you willing to accept that he is the the proper foundation of life, the author and finisher of our faith, uh, and that he is able to be built on today that you can begin improving your foundations now so that when those storms come, not only will you be able to survive them, but you will be prepared to help others survive. That you will be able to share that love that you have been so richly blessed with to bless others and help them when their lives have fallen apart. Your foundation is not just for you to survive. It's to help you to be a positive influence in the world. This is what we call the kingdom of God. Um, Yeah, I feel like this is going to a better place. Uh, This is not what I wrote down last night, by the way, in my first draft. I mean, it's similar... But I think I can use this uh, in my talk tomorrow to make it a little bit more meaningful. I need to to make it concise. I probably need to cut it down to 10 minutes because it's going to be translated. Um, And I'm not sure if I can get to the part of Jesus at all. Uh, Maybe what I should do is just have them just create the desire for them to want to build their life on a stronger foundation to examine what their life is built on and maybe and maybe that that curiosity or that desire that they have to do that will be enough for them to find Jesus two subjects today uh, talked about. Maybe there's some crossover that I haven't uh, discovered yet, but uh, regardless, my time is up. I'm coming down the home stretch to school. So I will uh, see you guys later. Hopefully I'm getting some of these podcasts posted uh, sooner than I have been, a little bit more consistently. Try to do that. And 
thank you guys so much for putting up with uh, the road noise and, and the uh, unprofessional nature of this podcast. <laughs> but I really, I really believe there's reasons behind that madness of doing it this way. Uh, at least that helped me. So thank you for your patience. You guys have a great day. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.